Welcome to the Vegan Family Kitchen Podcast. I am here today with Dr. Jenny Lee. She is a double board certified physician uh, specialized in internal medicine and lifestyle medicine, as well as a wellness coach. I am very excited to have her today on the show as we are going to be talking about fertility and lifestyle and, of course, plant-based diets. Hi, Jenny. Lovely to have you here. Hi, Bridget. I'm so excited to be here with you today. I am so glad we connected. Yes, that will be a lovely conversation, I'm sure. And let me say a little bit more about you before we get started. Um, Dr. Lee works as a physician, and in her day-to-day practice, she has seen many people developing chronic disease due to lifestyle It's probably, I don't know, half the population. Is that an okay thing to say at this stage as we age? And uh, that is what drew her to the field of medicine called lifestyle medicine, where the focus is on nutrition, exercise, sleep, stress management, relationships to prevent or even reverse chronic disease. Those are the pillars of lifestyle medicine. She became interested in coaching, which is more of a partnership between two people where together With her clients, they work toward the client's goals. Her passion is helping women with fertility issues. She's had her own fertility struggles a few years ago, and that is how she learned the importance of lifestyle and diet. But against all odds, she became pregnant naturally twice with um, some miracle babies who are now three and one and a half and uh, napping at this time. So she is a very busy (laughs) woman. I want to make the most of this uh, great opportunity to be in conversation today. Thank you for joining me and remind me where where in the world you practice. I actually live in Austin, Texas, but I practice about an hour away. Oh, great. Okay, so let's let's start let's just start by talking about your your day-to-day life. What is what is your practice and uh what is your life like? Um Dr. Jenny Lee. Sure, that's a good question. Um I currently work as a hospitalist, which means that I take care of sick patients when they're in the hospital. I work 12-hour shifts about seven days in a row, and then I get some time off. So on a typical day, I don't get to see my kiddos before I leave since it's pretty early and I have a long commute. And I eat on the go 100% of the time just to make the most of my time. Um, Usually I'll have like oatmeal with some fruit or avocado toast with a matcha latte, which is very much needed on my drive. And I see patients from about nine until two, and then I spend the rest of the day writing notes, following up on things for the morning, um, talking to patients' families. And during the weeks that I work, my mom actually helps us cook dinner so that we stay well-fed and we just rotate through different plant-based recipes for dinner. Um, And then we make it a point to move every day. Uh, We try to at least walk the dogs after dinner and then the kids go to bed. And then I'm usually up late uh, finishing notes. Um, And then the time that I'm off from work, I get to be a full-time mom, which is the best job in the entire world. And I drop off my son at school and then I'm home with our little one for the rest of the day. And during the times that she naps, I'm trying to build my wellness coaching business. So that takes a lot of time. And then also after they go to bed. And to be honest, I'm just trying to figure out how to balance it all. I think as many parents are trying to do right now, um, some weeks when the kiddos need me a little bit more, like if they're sick or they're just feeling a lot more emotionally, obviously I drop the business stuff and then I make it a point to be more present with them and 
I'm just really lucky that my husband has a job where he has more flexibility and can sometimes work from home. And he's also very involved and takes care of the kids solo on the weekends that I work. And he helps me prep breakfast and lunch for the kids. So in a nutshell, that's, that's the day in the life. (laughs) I'm, I'm exhausted just listening to you (laughs) and, and kudos to you. I mean, I, my kids are a little older now. My son, my youngest has just turned seven and my oldest, my daughter is 10 and I feel this is the golden years because they're still pretty easy and they have kid problems, not really big problems, um, but they're also a lot more independent. And um, yes. we get to spend time together. That's that's fun. And we don't have too much of the more... Um, the tantrums. <laughs> yeah, the tantrums or just, you know, having to take care of their body is quite an, yes. as, as close away as I did before. Um, yes. That's that's a big transition. So it's not an easy period, but trust me, one day it gets better um, in terms of the mm-hmm. stress on your own body. And um, I, I appreciate how you, you include in your story the things you do to take care of yourself, uh, like making sure that you have good meals and uh, having people who can help you out with putting meals on the table as well. It's not all on you. That is definitely something that is an enabler in making a better life happen. Yeah. And I used to not really focus on it, but then in motherhood, I realized that you can't do it all yourself. I would describe myself as like a perfectionist, like very type A. And I am so used to doing everything myself because that's the way that it can be perfect. But I got so burnt out trying to juggle all these balls and it's just, I had to ask for help. And that's also very hard for me, uh, just asking for exactly what I need from the people around me. But they are very receptive to it. And they're clearly had, uh, happy to help. That is that is wonderful. Let's uh, take a little side trip immediately to talk about your passion for fertility issues. And this has become a focus in um, your career. And I would like to know more about um, how this became so important for you. Yeah, so what's interesting is that in med school, I actually thought that I wanted to be a fertility doctor. I was looking into ways to do this without actually doing a residency in OB-GYN because I didn't want to do surgery. And I kind of just like left it and thought, okay, I'll come back to it someday. Um, Never did I think in a million years that I would have issues getting pregnant. So long story short, we went through several rounds of IVF without any success. And then we were finally able to transfer some frios, but then I ended up having a miscarriage. Um, The doctor at some point mentioned donor eggs, and I just was not mentally there yet. And I was emotionally and physically burnt out from months and months of back-to-back IVF cycles. So we decided to take a break from the meds. And during that time, I decided to do my own research and take things into my own hands. And I made all the... And at that time, we moved in with my mom. So our diet dramatically improved without (laughs) really even trying because we're Asian. So she was basically a vegetarian. I think I was so used to eating a certain way from college and from med school. Like we were taught, you know, the best way to eat is to have a big uh, portion of a protein and it needs to be a meat protein. So usually we would have just eaten like chicken breast with a side of veggies and some carbs. But when she cooked for us, she would make like the entire plate of veggies and then top it with like a few small pieces of chicken. So 
essentially I was becoming more and more plant-based throughout this time. Um, I also made a lot of changes with like clean products. So like beauty products, household products, I swapped out for things that were um, non-toxic and um, no hormone disruptors in them. So after a few months of lifestyle changes, I got pregnant with my son and then again with my daughter. So I know from my own experiences that medications can only do so much. I feel like you have to set your body up for success by getting rid of things that aren't good for your fertility, like trans fats and endocrine disruptors and high sugar levels. I think these are things that we we know, but, you know, we get tempted a lot of the time. Um, but whenever I got into coaching, I just knew that from my own experience that this is how I wanted to help other women. I, I'm, uh, I'm very sorry for the miscarriage and the challenges you've had with uh, fertility at the beginning. It was also, I totally identify with that because I also never thought that it would be a problem. I, though I, I, I knew statistically it could be a thing, um, mm -hmm. but we did have recurrent miscarriages before my, uh, my daughter was conceived and those, those were very dark days. And I, now that you mm -hmm. mention it, I wish my mom had <laughs> been around to cook for us. Um, that, that might've yeah. changed things. Um, so you, you mentioned you made changes to your, to your diet, to, um, your environment in terms of the, the products you were using and, and things like that. Um, and let's, let's start with talking about the diet specifically, um, And what were your inspirations? I mean, obviously your mom got something started there, um, but what were your, your inspirations to kind of see the light, if I can put it that way, and into the connection between your reproductive health and maybe that of women in general and, uh, and what we put through our mouths, which I mean, when, when I say it every time, I'm like, this, isn't this obvious? <laughs> and yet it's obviously not. I mean, you've been through medical school and that certainly was not a topic. We definitely did not learn more than an hour on nutrition. And really, I feel like everything that we did through my own fertility journey, it was kind of unintentional, especially with the diet. It just so happened that my mom was basically a vegetarian and we adopted that diet. And through seeing um, how we were actually able to get pregnant when I never thought that I would have my own children or be able to carry my own children, I so really truly believe in it. Um, I didn't really start looking into um, the science and the research behind it until probably during COVID, whenever I discovered lifestyle medicine. Um, there's actually this huge study called the Nurses Health Study that was started, I believe, in the 70s. And it looked at long-term long effects of nutrition and lifestyle on health and disease. And it's been ongoing ever since. I think it's had over like 200,000 participants. Mm -hmm. participants. Um, although it's not a randomized controlled trial, I think we're still able to learn quite a bit from this. And I don't think that any of it is going to be surprising, like you mentioned, um, essentially a diet high in whole grains, vegetables, and the good healthy fats like the omega-3 fats are associated with improved fertility. And they noticed during the study that women consuming more meat had higher likelihood of ovulatory dysfunction or just problems with ovulation. And there's also some evidence that shows that specifically red meat negatively affects IVF. So I always recommend people, if anything, to try to cut out the red meat if, if you're able to do that. And then plant proteins are preferred, like in the form of lentils, chickpeas, and tofu. And 
whole grains and complex carbs are better than white bread and pasta because they don't spike your sugar um, as much as like the simple carbs. So you want to look for like low glycemic index foods whenever you're searching on Google. Um, there's also studies that show the benefit of, um, of omega-3 fatty acids, but you always have to be careful just because of the mercury content, I think, in large fish like tuna and I think shark, which I don't think a lot of us eat anyways. Mm. Halibut <laughs> is another one of the guilty ones. I think they get quite like in the 200 pound range. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. a good one to know. And then full fat dairy is better than low fat dairy if you are going to consume dairy. Um, I didn't really like the taste of dairy. Um for some reason during that time, maybe it was all the different hormones that I was taking. So I would have like soy milk or like almond milk yogurt. Um, and actually soy is not harmful. Um, it actually may protect you against the harmful effects of BPA. So I think that's a huge uh, myth and misconception out there is to avoid soy when you're going through fertility treatment or um, having issues with fertility. That is, yeah, I was just about to ask you, how much talk was there about diet when you were undergoing your own fertility treatments? Was that even part of the conversation at all? It was not. And I specifically asked about it. And I think the doctor mentioned, oh, just eat a well-balanced diet. And that means different things to different people. To me, I thought it meant meat protein plus you know, carbs and mm -hmm. a little bit of vegetables. Um, I think all the images that you look at of like what a plate should look like, it doesn't have half the plate as being fruits and vegetables like it should. So yeah, I didn't have specifics on like what to aim towards. And mm -hmm. I just really didn't know, even as a doctor, I didn't get a, a lot of training on it in med school. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. And I mean, even I, I have a friend who suffered with Crohn's disease for years and, um, you know, constantly she would ask her doctor, you know, does this have anything to do with what I'm eating? No, no, no. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I mean, you kind of wonder, uh, I think, I mean, it's, it, and, and I'm not blaming the medical profession alone. I think we've been quite comfortably ignorant of how our bodies interface with the world through food. Um, but clearly there's cut to be a connection because we're made of mm -hmm. something and that something is what we eat. Um, yeah. I find it really I discouraging. Think, yeah, I think a lot of us in the medical profession, we need very strong randomized controlled trials, meta-analyses to even think about adopting a certain habit. But I, I don't know that you can do a lot of randomized controlled trials on these kind of lifestyle habits because there's other factors that are involved. Um, and also the medical community, I think we lag behind a few years, even once the evidence is released, it takes years for it to be taught to us, for us to feel comfortable and for us to start educating patients. But I think that's why I love lifestyle medicine, because we're ahead of the game. We're, you know, talking about plant-based nutrition, even before most doctors are. So Absolutely. Is... Um... Uh, fertility and reproductive health is that a part a substantial part of lifestyle medicine as it's taught right now and understood with the with the the, the board exams for example is that a topic that they're getting into it actually is not it's just a small part of it but just because i had such an interest in it from my own experience i did my own research and reading mm -hmm. and 
looked into it a lot more myself. Yeah, for sure. So why don't we uh, talk for all the hard-nosed types that may be listening to us today and asking the question, so what do we know, you know, with, we can never know anything for sure, but what do we know with a high level of certainty about how lifestyle factors influence fertility? Yeah, like I was saying, definitely having more plant proteins rather than meat proteins will affect your fertility um, in a positive way. And having a more balanced is the white pasta and the breads, because um, the name of the game is to reduce inflammation and to reduce your blood sugar spikes. So all the things that we talk about have um, that have fiber, like fruits and vegetables and whole grains and nuts and seeds are going to do that. They don't spike your blood sugar. And in that way, they won't cause as much inflammation as other foods, like the processed foods, the trans fats, and the um, all the things that you probably are searching for in your pantry when you're eating a snack. Um, so I always recommend people to stay on the outside of the grocery store, kind of where the frozen foods are and where the produce is, um, and to limit how much you spend uh, in the on the aisles of the grocery store. Right. Um, how do you work with people who come to you for, for wellness coaching who may be trying to conceive or otherwise have some kind of struggle with their, their reproductive health? Yeah, so my passion is helping other women become moms, but not by being their doctor, by being their coach. So I help provide emotional support. I'm their cheerleader. I'm the one who keeps them accountable, hopefully, uh, and helps them move past their limiting beliefs and form new healthy habits. Um, I like it when the client is in control and the client leads me towards the goals that she sets for herself. I just kind of help her guide herself along that path. And my ultimate goal is to empower her to take back control over her fertility journey rather than like passively waiting for the next appointment or for something to just happen. Right. The empowerment. I very much love this idea. So what, what kind of goals might they be that they might be working on? So just because I focus on plant-based nutrition, um, I try to shift um, or help them shift towards a plant-based diet. Um, I think a lot of us, don't know much about it, um, especially outside of the vegan world. Um, so I just teach them a little bit about it, but I want them to set their own goals. So like every week, if they want to introduce a few more uh, plant-based proteins or a few more vegetables, I want them to write it down to set those goals for themselves, but they definitely have to be attainable. They have to be realistic based on, you know, their budget, their lifestyle. Um, but Yeah, that's one of the goals. The other goal can be like working towards like a fitness goal, like wanting to get like workouts in like at a specific interval, like bar, you know, every other week, like Pilates every week and just to stay accountable and help them find resources of, for like how they can work out in their community, um, online workouts, um, and then working on improving their sleep and stress reduction, um, and that involves things like journaling, meditation, mindfulness, mindset, um, getting in the right mindset to be low stress and 
to accept all the things that are coming to you, all these positive things. Mm-hmm. One thing you, you mentioned at the beginning that I wanted to bring back, uh, you mentioned endocrine uh, disruptors, and I know uh, non-toxic um, living, if I can put it that way, is something that is near and dear to your heart. Can you can you tell me a little bit more about that and how it may be connected to, I mean, women, health in general, but probably women's health in particular? Sure. I guess we can start from the beginning since it's not really a common term that you just hear everyone talking about. Um, your endocrine system consists of these glands and these hormones uh, that they release throughout the body to regulate different activities, including growth and development and metabolism and reproduction. And estrogen and testosterone and all of these reproductive hormones are part of this system. And these endocrine disrupting chemicals or disruptors like the mess with these hormones. And endocrine disrupting chemical exposure is linked to some cancers like thyroid, breast, and I believe prostate. Um, but it's not written on a label. They don't write like, I have an endocrine disruptor in me. Um, you have to read the labels and there's ways that they can hide it. There's these chemicals that you don't even recognize the name of. Um, and I saw a recent survey that showed that women use on average 12 different beauty, beauty products a day and they're exposed to over 150 chemicals a day and that's an incredible amount it's just crazy to me um and like i was saying your fertility is a delicate balance of these different hormones so any of which can be affected by these endocrine disrupting chemicals and you can actually detect lower levels of endocrine disrupting chemicals within days of making changes and there's um, urine tests that you can um, use now to do that. So what should, be, should, what should we be looking for as, I guess, consumers um, in that way? Yeah, um, I think if they're going to, la- well, if they're going to label it, um, one of the main things is fragrance or perfume. Um, I would take a look at all of your beauty products to see if they contain that word fragrance or perfume. And if possible, I would use those sparingly or kind of find a good replacement. And sometimes it can also be labeled as aroma. Um, the thing that it actually contains is phthalate, but which they will never label it as. Um, and if you want to find like a good alternative, fragrance free is usually better than unscented. Um, because sometimes unscented is actually scent, which is very tricky. Oh. <laughs> now I'm confused. Yeah, yeah I would just um, go for fragrance-free or just anything without it. Um, also stick to essential oils, uh, with the exception of lavender and tea tree, because lavender and tea tree oil are also endocrine disruptors. Oh. So I don't use that in any of my kids' um, products, like their baths or their lotions or anything. I see. And uh, I think you've mentioned plastics as well, maybe not today, but in some other conversation. Uh, What kind of plastics or should we be concerned about all plastics? Um, Do you have any more information you can share with us on that? I would say, if possible, avoid all plastic, especially if it contains your food or your water. Um, I think we know that BPA is not good for us. That's like a buzzword, it's very publicized, but companies are making plastics with different products that are like BPS or BPF um, that they don't really advertise, but they are just as harmful. So 
If you are wanting to use plastics for convenience, I would just not heat it in the microwave or wash it in the dishwasher. Like I think some of our kids' cups are plastic, but we hand wash it. Uh, we just don't want them to be using that glass and then you know breaking it on the floor. So <laughs> yes. that's not ideal. So sometimes it, it's not realistic, um, but I think glass containers or stainless steel containers are the way to go. Um, I would recommend checking out like Home Goods or Ross or Marshalls for individual containers rather than buying the entire set because I know it can get pricey. I was a resident whenever we were going through our fertility issues and I was like, I can't afford like spending $150 on glass containers. Oh, so yeah. I would just have like random little containers that I found at different stores. So that was helpful. I, um, uh, my husband's a physician and uh, I can only... I, I can difficult. I have difficulty imagining going through residency and fertility treatments at the same time, and everything else that may be happening in one's life. Um, I uh, I'm very impressed, but I'm I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad that period's <laughs> over for you. It's um, it must have been a really stressful time. I will say it was a blur. It went by very quickly, and um, I actually did have to advocate for myself during that time. I said. You know, I want to do these treatments. Um, I was already, I think, 31 years old, and I knew time was going to be running out, especially with my diagnosis. So I asked them if I had permission to do that, and if I needed to, then I would work, uh, you know, an extra six months to finish residency later. So right. I knew I had to do that for myself and my family. For sure. Wow. That's uh, that's that's a really big, full life. Um, and so... Very, very happy to celebrate that you uh, you did have two kids uh, that came up on their own naturally, and that's that's beautiful news. And I would like to ask you, what would you like to say to anyone who's listening, who may be in a relationship or on their own, who are trying to conceive, um, who are struggling with fertility? What would you? What message would you like them to take home? First of all, I would like to say you are not alone. There are so many women out there just like you. Um, and don't ever feel like you're the only person going through this. Find a good support group. There's so many support groups on Facebook. There is also a national support group called Resolve. Uh, I went to their meetings um, back in the day when they had meetings in person. I'm not sure with COVID if they're still meeting in person, but check out their website, um, find a group that's near you and find just like a good support system. If you need a friend to vent to or to go to appointments with you to ask them for that specific thing. Uh, they don't know how to help us when we're going through our fertility struggles. And sometimes that leads to them not checking in or them just being afraid of asking the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing. But um, just ask for what you need from the people that you love. Um, I think when talking about habits when trying to con conceive, I would say that the best thing to do is to focus on small changes. And there are just a few ways to do this, but the best idea is to set specific goals that are realistic, um, like sitting down and writing it down, what new vegetables you're going to try that day or that week and pick the days that you're going to try it. And then I think eventually the good food will crowd out the junk food and just eat a lot of variety, eat the rainbow to get all of these phytonutrients and the antioxidants from the plants. And also remember these um, meat products or these animal products don't have the antioxidants and the fiber 
that you would get from plants. So that's a huge benefit to you. And I would say that the main thing is to give yourself grace because this is not an easy journey to be on. I've been there and you just really need to learn to be kind to yourself. Uh, try to stay consistent to build these good habits um, that are hopefully going to be sustainable. And one of my favorite quotes is progress over perfection, because um, this is all part of the process and you becoming a better version of yourself. And don't let yourself get down when you fall short of a goal. I think sometimes I'm guilty of that myself, um, but you should instead try to learn from it and move forward. And I read this somewhere. I thought that that's just a really good analogy where you compare it to using like a map app, like Google Maps, where you first start turning out of a shopping center and the map has no idea what direction you're facing and it's so confused. But once you get on the road and knows exactly where your destination is and it's kind of just more smooth sailing from there. So just get started and it doesn't have to be perfect for you to start working towards a goal. Just start it. Thank you so much. That is, um, that is a great message. Just taking the first step is sometimes the most difficult thing, but it's so powerful to get the next actions to fall into place. Yes, exactly. Just takes one little step. That is beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing this. And I am sure that some of our listeners today will want to find a way to get a hold of you and learn more from you. Where, where can they find them? Can they find you? They can find me on my website at jlwellness.org or on Instagram. My handle is jenny.lee.md. They can message me or they can also email me at hello at jlwellness.org. And I'm in the process of putting up a blog. So look out for that. Exciting. Wonderful. And I love your your videos and your reels on Instagram. I warmly recommend that uh, anyone who's interested in women's health really um, connect with you and, and, uh, listen and watch and interact with your great content. Thank you so much for, for sharing that with the world. Thank you, Dr. Jenny Lee, for being here today. It's been a pleasure to have this conversation with you about our lifestyle factors and fertility. And, um, I look forward to connecting with you again soon in the vegan family kitchen. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Okay. Thank you. Thank you to Dr. Jenny Lee and thanks to you for joining this conversation about fertility and plant-based eating in my vegan family kitchen. If you like the idea of eating more plants and fewer animal products, but you feel overwhelmed by all the options or maybe stressed out by weeknight cooking, you might appreciate the peace of mind that my vegan meal plans bring. You can try a sample one-week plan on my website at veganfamilykitchen.com slash planned, P-L-A-N-N-E-D. Keep on cooking, and I look forward to seeing you again soon in my vegan family kitchen.